what I am going to talk to you is about Song of Solomon. Song of Solomon. And the title of my message to, today will be Set My Seal Upon Your Heart. This is from Song of Solomon chapter 8, verse 6. It is the very end, towards the very end of Song of Solomon's. All right. So I am privileged today to be able to speak from my heart. We've just finished First Timothy, the First Timothy series. We had a couple of speakers come over. And then after that, after this, we're going to go into Second Timothy. So we're going to have a, a little hiatus, a little break. And I thought, what great way to have a little break by changing it a little bit, giving us a new, fresh perspective by bringing in Song of Solomon's. Okay, the Song of Solomon. You see... The Song of Solomon, you know, when I, when I first told the worship, and this has been my heart for a while, this message has been brewing in my heart since like middle of the year until now. I, I love Song of Solomon, you know, and I, I really read it because I believe it is, it is the Word of God that leads us into maturity in love. So when I told the worship team, the worship team was asking, was asking me, hey, hey, what are you going to preach about? Now we want to choose some songs that will be able to, to suit, the, suit your message, you know, so that there is synergy. And I was like, I'm going to preach on Song of Solomon's or Song of Songs. And one of the worship team members was like in shock. Like, wow. And I was like, oh, okay. I, I went to her and asked her like, why are you shocked? And she was like, oh, this is the Holy Haram book. Holy Haram book. It's Haram, you know, like, whoa, okay. So I was like, yeah, it's the Holy Haram book. You know, and when I was growing up, I grew up in a, in a Christian family, right? And this book was known to, is known to be like the, I'm, I'm Hokkien. So those of you Hokkien, you'll know this. This book is known to be the Hiao book. Okay? So those, you want, if you read, you know, you feel very Hiao. Last time I, a, I go Sunday school, suddenly and they say, okay, open up your Bibles. When you open up your Bibles, suddenly you land on Song of Solomon. Somebody sees you on Song of Solomon. You Hiao on you. Serious, this is what happened, okay? This is really what happened. Okay, so it's known as the book that's very saucy, right? Ooh, very saucy kind of book. You know, so like a lot of people tend to avoid it because they, are, they don't understand it. A lot of believers even like they, are, they look at it and like they say, why does the Bible have all of this kind of stuff inside the Bible? And that is something we have to ask ourselves. Why did God put this book, Song of Solomon's, that is very saucy, that has a lot of mature contents inside the Bible. Have we asked ourselves that? Anybody asked themselves that before? I, I have. I have. I've always asked, like, why, uh, God, why? So, let me share with you why I think God placed a book with mature contents into the Bible. Alright? Do you want to know why? Yes? Yes, yes? Yes? Okay, let me tell you. It is to create mature love. It is to create mature love. Only in a mature love would you find the saucy stuff. Only in mature, intimate, passionate love will you be able to find deep, passionate love for one another. And I believe Song of Solomon's Song of Solomon was placed in the Bible so that we can transit, we can move, we can transform and grow from a love that is surface level, from a love that's just lip service to now a love that is wholeheartedly given. 
a love that is passionate, a love that is intimate. Bit, some people are very scared to say these kind of words. A love that is so deep that it, it hits the core of your very being. How many of you over here, you've been in love? I hope you're still in love, those of you that are married, right? And they come to a point where you look at your loved one, you look at your partner, and you're like, wow, I'm so in love that my heart actually, like, oh, like you feel it, like every little thing, wow. That's where God wants to bring us. That's where God wants to bring from this surfacey level of love, where we just say, I love you, God. And we just sing, I love you, Lord. But some of the times we don't mean it. To a place when we sing, come and be. Come and have your reward, Lord, which is me. Come and have, my, come have everything of me. I love you so much, I give you everything. And that is why Song of Solomon is in the Bible. God wants to move us and transform us and grow us. And why do we need mature love? That's the next question we have to ask. If God is maturing us in love, why do we need it? Well, I can tell you this, because in the last days, in 2 Timothy verse or chapter 3, it says, in the last days, men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers. They will go on and on and on. We will cover that soon. 2, chapter, 2 Timothy chapter 3. And you come to a point where it says, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And it goes on and on. The world will come to a place where they will move away from the love of God to the love of the world, the love of material things, the love of themselves, and move away from the love of God. That's why God wants to change back, change the course, change direction of the church. That, hey, church, the world is going that way. Don't go that way. Keep your eyes on me and go this way. Because when you go that way, you're going to grow colder. You're going to go less loving. But when you, grow, when you go this way and you keep your eyes on me, you're going to mature in love. You're going to grow in love. You're going to love more. And if we are seeing these days come to pass, right? There are lovers of themselves right now. There is even some people in the world that would even marry themselves. I think we've seen headlines of this. They will marry themselves. That's a bit crazy if you ask me, all right? They will marry their car. There's this one fellow that married a car. I don't understand how that, that works out. Yeah. Like, how are you going to have babies? You get little tires? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. You see, and, and also in, those, in the last days, we are seeing all of these things. So in the last days, it's here. We are in those last days right now. It is the birth pains that we are seeing. Everything in the news, the war, rumors of war. It is now. And it is now that God wants to grow us and mature us. Look at me. Don't look at the world. Focus on me. You know, a lot of people will say, don't be so heavenly minded that you are earthly useless. You know, I want to contest that. And I want to say, you have to be so heavenly minded to be earthly useful. Because when you see God and you have a focus on God and you mature in the love of God, then now you love the world the way He loves the world. You see the world the way God loves the world. God sees the world and then now you can be more useful 
Now you can love the way He loves. You can go out of the way when the world says, don't go out of the way. Hey, that's, that doesn't make sense. Think about yourself. No. In the last days, we will see society spiraling down in morality and in ethics. How are we to anchor ourselves in that? Focus on God. It is the mature love in Christ that will anchor us. In the last days, we will see tough times and even persecution. The Bible says it, all right? Even persecution. How are we to anchor ourselves? Focus on God. Mature love. Anchor ourselves in that mature love. It is mature love that will carry you through the tough times. So today, my message is about growing into mature love. Growing into mature love from a surfacey level of love to the point where you can say in Song of Solomon's chapter 8, set a seal upon my heart. I give you my heart, put your seal right now. Let it be known that I am yours and nobody else has my heart. So today, I'm going to bring you on a journey of the Shulamite woman in Song of Solomon's. I'm going to bring you on a journey from chapter 1 until chapter 8. Alright, today we're going to cover Song of Songs. Is that alright? Don't worry, I won't go verse by verse. If not, you'll be here till next week. Okay? What I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to see, we're going to see the very beginning of the, of the Shulamite woman. And then we'll see the end. And then I'll, I'm, going to, I'm going to go through briefly of the, the 8 chapters and take out two very important elements from there to show you the journey that took place. Alright? So, Song of Solomon's chapter 1. And also, Song of Solomon's is also, okay, just to give you context, right? Song of Solomon's is a love story between King Solomon and the Shulamite woman, right? But it also gives a picture of God's love and His people. You know, growing them, transforming them into a wholehearted, mature love. So it's a journey from being that surfacey level of love into the deep, passionate, intimate love. Alright? So let's read together. Song of Solomon, chapter 1, verse 2 to 4. Can we do this? I know Song of Solomon is not an a, a easy thing to read. Everybody read, get shy a bit. Kiss me, kiss me. You know, everybody get shy. But hey, hey, this is what God wants and this is the Word of God. So can we be brave and just say it together? Can you do that for me? Alright, let's do this. In the count of three, let's read this. One, two, three. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is better than wine. Because of the fragrance of your good ointments, your name is ointment poured forth. Therefore, the virgins love you. Draw me away. That's not so bad, right? Right, we just have the word kiss, we've got the word virgin, but it's okay, it's okay, right? Alright, so let me pray. Heavenly Father, would you come, Lord? And Lord, may we be kissed by the kisses of your mouth. Lord, out of your mouth comes forth the word of God. So Lord, may we be kissed by the word of the Lord. And Lord, you say, Lord, your word is Jesus, Lord. So Heavenly Father, we ask, Lord, may we have a love encounter with Jesus Christ. So this day as we come, as we dig into your word, Lord, kiss us, Lord, with the kisses of your mouth, Lord. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In the beginning, we have the Shulamite woman 
right, saying, kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. Okay, notice the word, kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. So the Shulamite woman is actually telling a third party about him. It's not telling him about him. It's telling the third party about him. Why? Why is that? It's because the Shulamite woman at this point of time has only heard about this king, this God that loves so well, that loves so passionately. He's, she's only heard. She's not experienced it yet. She's not tasted it yet. So she's telling someone, oh, I would wish that he would kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. She's telling someone, let him kiss me. I want to experience it. Over here, in Song of Solomon's, it says, kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, right? What comes out of the mouth? I prayed just now. It is the word of God. And in John, what does it say? In John, it says, the word of God became flesh. And who was that? That's Jesus. So when we say, kiss me, what is that? That is an encounter. And it is a love, intimate encounter. So while the Shulamite woman in the natural is saying, I have not heard, I, I've only heard of his love. I've only heard of the things, his goodness, his grace, but I've not experienced it. Now, would you, I want to experience it. She's telling somebody, I want to experience it. In the spiritual, it is us. It is us hearing of God's love, His mercy that abounds. We've heard testimonies of how God heals, how God saves. It is us hearing the words of God, hearing what God has done in other people's lives. And now, do we desire it? Do we want it? Now we tell somebody else, oh, I've heard of it, but I've not experienced it. I want to experience it. Would He come and give me that experience? Would he come? And all of this, you see, the mouth, the crystals of his mouth, the fragrance, the good ointments, all of this talks about the nature and the character of God. All right? Because of the fragrance of your good ointment, your name is ointment poured forth. What is this? This is the good reputation of God. His word goes out far and wide. When you put perfume, it goes out and it goes out like a sweet incense. So when, when somebody puts, put perfume and they're walking and suddenly you walk in, you had a whiff of that perfume, you suddenly go, what's that? I smell something. Wow. It smells nice. That's the word of God. Suddenly out of the loop, wow, there's something. That smells good. I want that. I want more of that smell. It's, it's the nature of God. And what she's doing, she's describing the nature of God and all that He is, His grace, His love, His mercy. I want that. I want that. And then in verse 4, she goes, in verse 4, she goes, draw me away. Draw me away. She's saying, I, I heard of all this. I've heard of all of that. I want it. I want it. And more than I want it, I want Him to take me away. I want to be enveloped by His love. I want to be swept away. Draw me away. I want to be not just, I not just want to experience it, but I want to give myself totally to it. A cry comes out. A cry comes out. And this leads to point number one for me. There is a yearning. There is a yearning 
to grow into mature love. Alright, we are seeing the Shulamite woman's life. To grow into mature love, we need, the first thing we need is to yearn. We need to long. We need to desire. We need to cry for intimacy with God, for that mature love. We need to cry, Lord, I've heard of it. I've seen it in other people's lives. How about me? I want that breakthrough. I want that freedom. I want that liberty. Lord, would you give that to me? Take me away, Lord, that I may experience not just the breakthrough, not just the freedom, but you as a whole. That is what we need to do. It's a yearning. We need a yearning. It begins with a cry to yearn. So to grow into mature love, point number one, we need to yearn. We're learning from the Shulamite woman over here. And this is God leading us. So we need to have a cry that, Lord, we want to experience more of you. We want, you know what? We've heard of the saints of old in the Bible. We've heard of the legends, the revivalists. We've heard of Robin, Ev Robin, Ed Robin Evans, Evan Roberts. Evan Roberts. We've heard of Reese Howells, all the revivalists of the past. We've heard of Reinhard Bonke. We've heard of all these people, you know, that does so many things for you, but at the core of them, they cry out, Lord, I want you. I've experienced you so much. We've heard of them. They're crying out, but now... Do we want that? Are we going to say, Lord, draw me away. Draw me away with you that I may experience what they experience and more. All the characters, all the nature of God. Would we do that? Church, do you want that? I want that. I want more of Him in my life. I want more of His character, His nature. I want more of His love, His grace, His mercy. I want more because I can't have enough of it. I've tasted a little bit. Come taste and see the goodness of God. I've tasted a little bit of it. But I want the full extent of it. I want to be drowned by His love. Church, do we want that? Now, we've seen that in chapter 1. We've seen the beginnings of the Shulamite woman. And then we go from chapter 1 to chapter 8, there is a journey that takes place. In this journey, the Shulamite woman goes through many obstacles, many challenges, many things shaping and forming her. But in chapter 1 to chapter 4, we can see that it is about the Shulamite woman discovering God and who He is and discovering the goodness, discovering the mercies, discovering everything that is good and how she can now tap into what is good, saying, I want it and I can have it. It is about discovering her inheritance in God. Now, in our natural world in, or in our spiritual world, we could relate to us, is that, hey, I've heard, I've seen, I want it. Now God is bringing me on this journey called the Christian life after salvation. He's bringing me on this journey. Wow, I'm reading the Bible and I'm reading, wow, God can do this? He can heal. He can provide. I'm learning more. I'm learning more. I'm getting, I, 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 can, I can tap onto that. God says He can give me this. Wow. There is an inheritance in God that we can now pull from. Wow. And she's learning that. That's chapter 1 to chapter 4. And then chapter 4 to chapter 8, guess what? It switches around. 
now is not just about she having an inheritance in God, but chapter 4 to chapter 8 is about God having an inheritance in her. And what does that mean? That means now, she says, I'm not just drawing from you anymore, but what I want is I want your heart. I want your love. I want your desire. Not just that, I want to love what you love. I want to desire the things that you desire. I want to labor for what you labor. I want to put my hands and my feet and I want to work what you are working on. And then you become, you belong to God. You become your edge. More of you, less of me. More of you, less of me. And what does this become? Now, you become edge and you are, you are attached to God. You are an extension of God. You belong to God. You are now His inheritance. That's chapter 4 to chapter 8. See this journey. She learns about Him. She draws, she draws, she draws. And after she draws, she realizes, hey, I, I don't just want to draw that love from you. I want to draw your entire heart. What you love, I want to love. It is a journey. And in this journey, she, brought, she, was, she went through many obstacles, many challenges, she was called forth into the nations, okay? And she had to overcome fear. She had to be brave and courage, courageous. And in this journey, there were two landmark events. One landmark event happened in Song of Solomon chapter 4, verse 16. Can we all read this together? Song of Solomon chapter 4, verse 16. One, two, three. Awake, O north wind, and come, O south, blow upon my garden, that its spices may flow out. See, in this point of time, after she's gone through the trials, the tribulation, the obstacles, yet she knows she can draw from God, draw, 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 draw. But it come to a point where she said, hey, you know what? Rather than continue on my own strength, or like I draw strength from God and I go on together a bit with His strength, most of it my strength, I want to take all of His strength. I want, I'm not, I'm not going to release my own strength. What is that? I'm going to surrender myself. I'm going to yield myself. Now if you were to rephrase the language of, the language of today's language, it would go something like this. God, whatever it takes to mold me, Whatever it takes to change me, to get me even to move me from one season to another season, whatever it takes to move me into the fullness of mature love, would you do it? Would you do it? Now, I trust you enough to release everything to you. Bring the good seasons Bring on the bad season. Come, cold winds. Come, warm winds. I will take it all. Come what may. Come what may. I will take it all. As long as it grows me into mature love, as long as you're there for me to hold my hand, I will take it all. It's my point number two. To grow into mature love, we need to yield. We need to surrender ourselves. And more than surrendering ourselves, sometimes we can always surrender ourselves. Lord, I surrender to you. Lord, I give you all. 
But sometimes we cannot surrender our seasons. Sometimes we are in a season of difficulty and we always pray, God, would you redeem me? Would you deliver me out of this difficulty, out of this wilderness? But is that what God wants? Might not be. It might be God wanting you to yield. Yield. And then when you, when you yield, your prayers will start to change. Rather than God deliver me, you'll be praying, God, what are you doing in this season in my life? How do you want to shape me? How do you want to form me? How do you want to form me and how do you want to move in my life? What is it that you want to grow in my life? May it grow. May it grow. May you come and may you partner with me that I may grow along with you, that I may walk along with you. I'm going to yield everything to you and then you will come out of the wilderness not by your own strength, not by God giving you like, oh God, redeem me, give me strength. Then you give God give you strength and then most of it is your strength and you walk out with us. No. May it be that God will shape you, form you and walk beside you in that growth journey till the point where you come out of the wilderness. You'll see in chapter 8, in verse 5, it says, who is this coming out of that wilderness? So there's a point of coming out of that wilderness. And in, in, in verse 5, it says, coming out of that wilderness, leaning on her beloved. Together. It is not about us asking strength, God, give me strength, give me strength, that I may come out, and you come out. Before. Some of his strength, mostly your strength. But it's about a formation that happens into you. A changing of your heart. A transformation that you come out leaning on him. It's not your own strength. You don't come out stronger, but you come out weaker, but leaning on the God that has strength. Yielding. To grow into mature love, we need to yield. We need to learn to yield. So number one, we need to yearn. Number two, we need to yield. Yield ourselves. Yield our rights, our longings, our ambition, our hope. Yield our seasons. Come good times. Come bad times. I will take it all as long as I have Jesus. You know what does this sound like? It sounds like a marriage vow, Right? Sounds like, for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, in sickness or in health, till death do us part. It sounds like that. Come what may, may our love bring us through this. Let's move along. The second landmark event that happened between chapter 1 to chapter 8 Right, the first part is yearning in chapter 1. Chapter 4, we see a yielding. Now we're going to chapter 6. In chapter 6, verse 13, it says this, Return! Return, O Shulamite! This were the, the virgins were calling out, Return! Return, O Shulamite! Return, return, that we may look upon you. The ladies are crying out to, for her to return, that they can see her. Why is it that they want to see her? Shouldn't they want to see the beloved, the king, the God? But no, they say, return. Oh, Shulamite, well, we want to see you. Then the question asks, what would you see in the Shulamite? What is there to see? You see, when you yearn, 
and you long. And when you yield yourself to God, you are saying, Lord, less of me, more of you, less of me, more of you, you take on more of God. You now begin to reflect God. God, remember, focus on God. When you're heavenly minded, you will be of earthly use. More of God, focus God, put more, put more, that I may give your love. And now they begin to see that. Wow, she's reflecting the glory of God. There's something that's changing. There's something we want to see the Shulamite. We want to see. And that's how we, when we yearn and we yield, that's how our friends, wow, there's something about you that is so different from the rest of the world. How come when the rest of the world is going haywire, you can be so calm, collected and cool? How come when the rest of the world is hating on nations and people, you can still love the people how come? Then, they say, as it were, the dance of the two camps. Oh, I love this, the dance of the two camps. What is the dance of the two camps? In most Bibles, you will see a, a, a little footnote. Dance of the two camps, i.e. Mahanim in Hebrew. What is the Mahanim? You see, the Mahanim is where two parties are interacting with one another in a beautiful, harmonious way. They move together. When one party moves, the other party moves along. When one party steps, the other party steps. It is two parties. That's why it's called dance, right? Two parties, two separate individual identities, but moving in unison move together. You know when you, you do ballroom dancing, you have, must have the frame, right? There's a frame. Correct or not? You do tango, you have to... Uh, something like that. I don't know, right? But basically, it is two people moving separately, but when you see it from afar, it's beautiful. It is as if they are moving as one. Moving together as one is, is, is wonderful. And this leads to point number three. Point number three is how can we move together? When you move, he moves. When I move, you move. Is to be yoked by God, with God. In SIBKL, we love our alphabets. Today, I'm giving you three whys. So when you ask, why Song of Solomons? Why mature love? When somebody asks, you say, let me give you the why, the three whys. All right? Yesterday, you got the three C's. And just to let you know, Pastor Marina gave a wonderful sermon yesterday called Wilderness into Revival. We didn't plan this. We didn't talk about it. I mean, we talked about it a little bit, but I didn't know what her points were. And her points were call, consecrate, and commune. See, there has to be a call. And from that call, it's like yearning, a crying out. You're responding to a call that God gave and you are calling out, draw me away. There has to be consecration. And part of that consecration is to yield your rights and yield and surrender everything to God that, you may, that He may consecrate all your life. Number three, yoked. Yoke is like communing. When you are yoked with somebody, somebody moves, you move. Somebody says something, you have to reply. We didn't plan this. All right, we didn't plan this, but that was the message that came out yesterday. All right, and it's the same. 
in this place, you know, to, to move into mature love, we need to yearn, we need to yield, and we need to be yoked. Amen? Can we repeat this? One, two, three. Yearn, yield, yoke. One more time. Yearn, yield, yoke. One more time. Yearn, yield, yoke. And now, we're only at chapter 6, mind you, okay? We're going to move to chapter 7 now. Chapter 7, after, being ye- after yearning, after being yielded, after being yoked, something shifts now. And it's not the Shulamite woman. What shifts now is the God in Song of Solomon, is the king. Now, he begins to be moved. He is moved by her beauty. He is moved by her actions. He is moved by her words for him. He is moved by her heart, longing and desire. He is moved by her yearning, her yielding and her yoking. He is moved. It's one thing to be moved by God's love. Oh, it's a whole nother thing when God is moved by our love. Let that sip into your head for a bit. It is one thing to be moved by God's love. It's a whole nother thing to be when God is moved by our love. You can move God's heart. Let that get into your head. That's crazy, right? That's insane because why? God, the God of the universe that created the skies, created the earth, created everything in between, created me, a puny little human being, being, and I can move Him with what? My little weak love that I have. I can move Him. That doesn't make sense. How is that possible? But the Bible says it's possible. It's possible, you know, how is that? How, how, does God, is, how, how does God be moved? It's through yearning, it's through yielding, it's through being yoked. And in, in the Song of Solomon, she was going through adversity and trials and tribulation. It is these three things that leads to mature love in trials and tribulation. In the hard times, when you in the hard times, when you still yearn for God, when things are going bad all around you, economic crisis, war, family, relationship, everything is burning, everything is going down. When your heart still yearns, God, I want you. When your heart goes, God, I surrender to you. My circumstances are gone. It's just going crazy. But I yield to you. Have your way. And Lord, whatever you say, whatever you say in the Bible, whatever you say in the truth, I will be yoked to it. When you say, you will bless and you will provide, but I see my finances decimated. I'm yoking to the truth. I'm yoking to you that you are my provider. And when we see that, and there is a, 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 um, a fight, a wrestle within you. And when you cry out, God, come true. God, come true. I'm yoked to you. Your word says this. And that tears is being produced. You know, God values that. That is the thing that moves him. Do you know tears are really, really precious? You know why? When you cry out in love for God, when your heart is aching, and you cry out in love and you produce tears, it's very precious. Because only in this world, only in this time, can we produce tears. 
Because in the age to come, when Jesus comes back, there will be no more tears, no more sorrow, no more crying. So in this time, tears are very, very valuable. That's why God is saying, hey, I can be moved. I am moved by your tears, the ache of your heart for me to be with me, to be yoked by me, to surrender to me. The best example of this is Mary of Bethany. Mary of Bethany in John 11, she was going through one of her darkest hour. Her brother has just died. But when the brother was sick, she sent, she sent a message to Jesus saying, Lord, your beloved is sick. Jesus gives a word back saying, he shall leave. This, will not, this sickness will not live until death. That's what Jesus said. But what happened? In reality, he died. He died. And when finally, when Jesus went to Bethany and he met Mary, what did Mary do? Mary bowed down. She worshipped Jesus. And she said, Lord, if only you were here. You hear that longing. You hear that cry. That yearning for God. God, if only you were here. She bowed down. She cried. God, I'm yielded to you. She bows down the posture of being yielded and being surrendered. She doesn't understand what's happening. But still, she worship Him. Still, she trusts Him. What does that show? I am being yoked to you. That's what Mary is showing in her posture. I'm going to be yoked to you. Your word says He's going to live. I don't understand that He's dead right now. I'm, going to, I'm still going to worship you. No, I'm still going to worship you through this. I'm going to be yoked. I'm going to pull that promise. You said it. You said it. Guess what happened? Guess what happened after that? In verse 33 in John 11. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping, when Jesus saw her weeping, he groaned in the spirit. He was moved. He was moved by her yearning, her yielding, her yoking. He was moved by her love, by her tears. That can only be produced in this lifetime. Then he moved into action. Where have you laid him? Where have you laid him? Jesus was moved by Mary. And because of that, Mary now is able to draw a miracle. Draw a resurrection out of Jesus. You know what's a resurrection? A resurrection is revival. Bringing something that is dead alive. Yesterday, Pastor Miranda shared from wilderness to revival. And this was the revival that Mary God, the revival. Now, we move to the climax of the song, chapter 8. Wow, this is a picture of mature love in its fullness. We start off with 8 verse 5. It says, who is this coming out of the wilderness? You see, this was wilderness times. Wilderness times, yearning, yielding, yoking, shaping, forming. It is wilderness times. Who is this? coming out of the wilderness, leaning upon her beloved. And it shaped her so much. 
And he says, hey, I'm weak. Yes, I'm yielded totally. But I depend on my beloved, my God, my strength comes from Him. Everything I have comes from Him. I am leaning upon Him. Wow. Wow. This is incredible because it's in the wilderness that you mature in love. It's in the wilderness that you mature in love. So church, some of you are in the wilderness right now. You feel that things are not going right. Things are going wrong. Certain aspects of your life. Maybe God is saying, in this wilderness, would you let me mature your love for me? That when you emerge out of the wilderness, people can say, who is that emerging out of that situation, emerging out of that disaster, leaning, depending on God, fully relying on Him? Some of us are there. It is in a wilderness where we need to learn how to yearn, how to yield, and how to be yoked. The picture of her leaning on Him is fully given, fully dependent. And we know in the end of Song of Songs, I'm going to jump a little bit, we know when a love relationship happens, when a love relationship matures, we know what is going to happen. I'm not going to say it here, okay? We know what's going to happen. And out of, out of that love act, something is being produced. Fruits will be produced. So before that happens, before that happens, God was saying, hey, before you go into a time of fruitfulness, before you go in a time of multiplication, I'm going to give you something that will anchor you throughout your life. In your success, in your failure, in your ups, in your downs, I'm going to give you something. And this something is here. Remember this. I awaken you under the apple tree. I awaken you. In other words, hey, remember, when you came out of the wilderness and you are already leaning, you know, but you're out of that wilderness, remember who is the one that called you to yearn, to yield, to be yoked. Remember who is the one that called you to maturity. Remember who? It's God. Remember who is saying, hey, when you had nothing, when you had nothing to offer me, nothing to give me, when you were separated from me, when you were far away, remember, I am the one that called you. I am the one that awakened you. I am the one that gave you eternal life. Remember. Then it moves on to verse 6. Set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm. See, Song of Songs started out with, kiss me with the kisses of your word. Right, what is the word? The word is, kiss, what, kiss me a kiss on mouth. What is the mouth? What comes out of the mouth is the word. What is the word? The word is Jesus. You know, it starts off with, let me have a love encounter with Jesus. Start me on this journey. And now the song ends with his cry to set his love, a fiery seal upon her heart. Our heart. What a lovely ending, right? She begins the song with kiss, my heart, encounter me. He ends the song, Mahanim, right? He ends the song with take my love, put it on your heart. What does it mean to set a seal upon your heart? 
A seal signifies markings, signifies you belong to someone. When you get married, what happens? What is the thing that signifies the covenant? It's the ring. A seal placed upon your heart. This signifies my vows to my wife, my marriage covenant. You know, that's a myth. This is an old Roman myth. That why, did, why did people put the ring on this finger? That's a myth that is a, there is a vein that goes from your heart all the way to this finger. Okay? The vena amoris. The love vein, they say. But fake one. False. Okay? False. Alright? But back then, they believed that. They believed that. And when you put a ring, it's like as if you put a ring on my arm, a seal on my arm, and the vein that leads to my heart is a seal upon my heart. When you put a seal, you know that this person, this thing, belongs to someone. You are given to someone in marriage. And what, why did I say, let it let, put a seal upon my heart? Why is it hard? Why hard? Because when you have a seal of love upon your heart, every emotion, every conviction will be born out of love, remembering that seal. Your love for others, why? It's because of the seal. It's your love for Him. Why arm? Why the arm? Because your actions, now when you do things, when you do things, it's a seal. Why are you doing things? Because your love for Him. The seal is now upon my arm. Now I work. Every single emotion, every single conviction, every single work that I do now is done out of love. It's born out of love. It's birthed out of love. Then, I, then after that, he's going to tell her, why love? Why love? Then he goes on, because it's stronger, because there's nothing stronger than the power of love. It's as strong as death. It's jealousy as cruel as the grave. It's flames, are flames of fire, vehement. It's strong, it's passionate. It's the strength that will carry you on through adversity. You can go through all seasons, good, bad, ugly, even the worst. And then she goes on, it goes on. Verse 7, Many waters cannot quench love, nor can floods drown it. If a man would give for love all the wealth of his house, it would be utterly despised. What does this mean that waters cannot quench love? It means that the waters of trials and tribulation cannot put out the flame of love. If you have that seal upon your heart, whatever that you are going through, you can go through it because of that love that's in you and it will not be quenched. God's love cannot be quenched. Love can overcome it all. This is powerful. There's nothing more greater and more powerful than love. No, it says over here, if a man were to give for love all the wealth of his house, it would be utterly despised. Let me just explain this for a bit. For example, okay, for example, I have a son, right? His name is Nathan. I like to call him Nathan sometimes. But yeah, Nathan, Nathan. You know, what if one day, if he were to fall sick and maybe be terminally ill, okay, this is what if, right? What if one day that were to come and then the doctors would come to say, hey, your son is not well. There we can treat him. But this treatment is experimental. It's new technology. 
It costs the world. It will cost millions upon millions. And I have to tell you that because this is new, no insurance will cover it. What would I have to do? No insurance cover it. You would have to give everything. I would sell everything. I would have to sell my house. I would to empty out my bank account. I have to sell everything within my house, all my clothes, all my belongings, except for what I'm wearing. I would to sell everything and I think you would do it too if it was your child. Then maybe some reporters will come and they ask, you know, Faith Hour, Salt and Light, there's a lot of good social media, Christian social media. They will, they will hear of this father that gave up everything to save his son. He'll come and say, hey, can I have an interview with you? They'll sit me down and say, all right, we're going to interview. And this is the interview question. How does it feel like to be a hero? You know what? I'll probably look at them and say like, what do you mean hero? I'm not a hero. It's my son. I'm his father. I would gladly do it. It is not just a sacrifice. It is an offering. I would give it all for him. I would give what you have for him as well. I would take it and give it because it's my son. Love knows, knows no bounds. It knows no cost. He is my son. You know what? That love, that is what God the Father has for us when He gave His Son. That is what Jesus had when He gave His life. You know, John 17 says, may, may they know you, may they love you the way I love you, may they, know, may they have that love that you have for me. It's, it's crazy because the way God loves, He gives, is the same way Jesus loves God, and Jesus loves us, and it's the same way that love, we can love God. It's crazy. How can we love God that way? It is this. Despising all that we have because nothing can compare to the love of God. Nothing. You see in chapter 8, verse 5, 6, 7, it speaks right into your heart, into your very core. That you will give it all. You will give it all. Love is the one that will safeguard you. Love is the one that will give you stability and at the same time, is the one that gives you power. The love for God. Now we was asked, why? Why God? Why, why Song of Solomon? Why this mature content that wants to bring us from this surface sea level? I love you, you know, uh, uh, affection. Uh, what's that word called? Uh, when you call it, when you have a crush, what's that word? That's a word. Infatuation. Why do you want to bring me from a place of infatuation to a place of deep, mature, passionate love? Why do we need to mature? That's one we have to ask. Why we need to mature is because God wants to prepare a bride for Jesus. He wants to prepare a bride for Jesus. Because you see, in Revelation 22, 17, it says, The Spirit and the Bride say, Come. This is the last few verses of the Bible. And we know, last few words of a dying man is really important. This is the last few verses of the Bible. We need to take this seriously. It's the Spirit and the Bride say, Come. You see, the Spirit, the power of the Spirit, the outpouring of the Spirit upon 
the church and the bride, the church moving into maturity, say, come. It did not say, says come. If you say, says come, means the spirit will say and the bride will say, but right now the spirit in the church and the bride that's in maturity say, singular, come. Come. God wants us to mature in love because He wants to form a bride for His Son, Jesus. So now we know why Song of Solomon is so important. I'm going to close right now with this. I'm going to close with first 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1 to 3. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal, empty vessel, right? What does speak with tongues of men and angels mean? That means having a charisma that is so great that you can move people just by your words alone. You can move nations and kings just by your words alone. You will be an oratory gift to the world. But see here, God says, but have not love. What am I? I'm sounding brass and a clanging cymbal. See, I, if I have the gift of prophecy and understanding of all mystery and knowledge, what's this? If I were to have that, wow, that means I'll be like the smartest man on the earth. I'll be smarter than Albert Einstein. I will understand everything. You know what will happen? Kings and queens and governments and leaders will call me to advise and consult them. I will be the richest man on the earth. Everybody will want to come and find me for solutions. It says, if I have faith so that I could move the mountains, what does that mean? It means if I have faith that I call out today, maybe an altar call, and maybe some people who has cancer to come out and five people with cancer get healed. Maybe two blind eyes open. They can move the mountains. We see crazy things like this happening. What will happen? You'll see our church boom. You'll see a little revival happening over here. People from all around Malaysia will suddenly start to come, right? If I have that faith, what you see here, but have not love, I am nothing. What good is it to have that anointing what good is it to have that gift of prophecy, the gift of knowledge? What good is it to be able to speak so well when we have not love? The last one. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but I have not love, it profits me nothing. What does this mean? means if I give everything that I have, if I were to lay down my life and even sacrifice it, but if it, if it is not born out of love, it means nothing. Nothing. Love is the central and greatest movement of the heart. See, that's why Jesus said the first and greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. That's everything. Jesus from the beginning was already saying, love me with everything. 
Why? Because you're going to be a bride and I'm the bridegroom. I made you for love. I placed a seal upon your heart, upon your arm. Love me with everything. Oh, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. So you see, Song of Songs is a journey of moving from surfacey level love to mature love. And at the end of the day, at the end of the book, he says, put your seal upon my heart. 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 (sighs) Chapter 8, verse 6 to 7 is very similar to something that we all know, which is a marriage covenant vow. Say, love is greater than death. Nothing can overcome it. True, the floods may come. Love is there. What does that say? It says, for better, for worse, in sickness or in health, for richer, for poorer, to love and to cherish till death do us part. Till death do us part. We're going to worship right now. We're going to move into a time of communion. Can we all get everybody to stand right now? If you do not have a communion emblem, this is your time to raise your hands. And communion men will now come and give you communion emblems. Raise your hands for those who do not have communion emblems. Raise your hands up high while the worship team sings the song before us. Let this go into your heart.